Hi, I'm Doug Weiss. And I'm Alvian Lyons. This is Love Life. Alvian, today we're going to talk about the monster under <laughs> our beds. <laughs> the big green monster. Ooh. Jealousy. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. The question we've been asked is, what do you do when you have a partner who's jealous? Mm. How do you cope with that? That's such an interesting question. And, you know, as we often say, um, neither of us really lend much credence to these polar opposite identities in terms of men and women. Um, But here will be one of those moments where we reference (laughs) some some gender things that may exist. And this is interesting for me because I probably have a very atypical relationship in that my best friends growing up were always guys. And so when I met Matthew after our first date and we came back to the house, my best friend Ray was at the house waiting for us to get home. hanging out with my parents. So we walked into the relationship with him very comfortable because in the foundation of the relationship, I had guy friends. So it was never a issue inside of the relationship that I still have deep and abiding friendships with my guys that I know that the typical husband, and I say typical in air quotes, might be very uncomfortable with. Most of my business partners and people that I do work with are all guys and attractive, talented ones. I mean, look who I'm here with, Sean Connery. So, (laughs) So, I mean, it's just, it's a... It's one of those things that I think really has to do with what was in the foundation of the relationship. And we actually live a very... Um, a, a very transparent world in that I don't keep a lock on my phone so that he can go through any text message at any given time. I don't even think about it. He doesn't keep a lock on his phone. We we make it crystal clear that if there's something that one of us shouldn't see, then we shouldn't be doing it. If there's something one of us shouldn't have shouldn't hear, then we shouldn't be saying it. So I lay in bed three o'clock in the morning instead of my guy friend's call because something happened and I'm talking with my head on his chest because there should not be anything that I'm having conversation about that he couldn't hear. So it lends itself to reduced environment for jealousy to be nurtured. But I imagine for other people, that don't have those things in the bedrock of their interaction, it's probably quite different when you have very good friends or your best friend is a guy or your colleagues, a beautiful man or woman or whatever that, whatever that is, and you spend a lot of time with this individual. I can imagine that that might be challenging for a partner who does not feel that they have that kind of access and openness. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you go to the heart of the matter, which is a a, a trust Mm -hmm. question. Absolutely. Uh, But I think that there are circumstances where one can be trustful, Mm -hmm. that is, operate in an above-board, transparent fashion. Absolutely. And still experience jealousy (laughs) that derives from an insecurity Mm -hmm. on the part of the other individual Mm -hmm. uh, or may in fact derive from something even more subtle. 
Um, uh, let me speak to this for just a second. Yes, I'm interested. Because I've walked this walk once, at least in my life, of a relationship where there are two people, one of whom is perhaps needy of assurance, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and another who is somewhat dismissive of giving that assurance. Mm. We'll give it verbally, but then we'll, we'll do other things that suggest that there, there may not be a lot of truth to those verbal representations. Of course, you know I love you. Of course. And then turn around and do something that says something quite just different. the opposite. Right, right. That kind of signaling that can sometimes happen in marriage can create a, a form of, it's not really jealousy per se. But insecurity. But, but, it, but can lead to the insecurity that can come out in right. the form of jealousy. Jealousy, right. And I have to say, you know, we've been talking in the last few weeks about you know, vindictive exes and should you ever go back <laughs> with your ex. Well, the conditions to create an ex, <laughs> I can't think of one that's more prominent than jealousy. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really frightening uh, circumstance. You know, in the weeks to come, we're going to talk about the issues of control in relationships. But, uh, you know, talking about this today, jealousy is a form of, uh, or leads to a form of, of controlling behavior mm -hmm. between people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I've never seen a circumstance where it ends well. Oh, I would agree. And I, I frankly, and I, you know, I'm interested in the, in the clinician's <laughs> view on this. Um, I, I I'm not sure that there's, uh, a, you know, a lot of remedies that are available to you beyond the obvious ones, which are the evident assurance and willingness to talk through why someone feels insecure about the relationship. Mm -hmm. What trust has been violated? What conditions have set up that circumstance mm -hmm. that causes a person to feel that um, when you do something, you go out with your girlfriends, mm -hmm. that you really are out with your girlfriends mm -hmm. and not someone else. Mm -hmm. And what need is existing unmet? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes one of the things that is fueling the jealousy is the fact that and let me, let me give an example, as a matter of fact. There was an early part of our marriage, my, ma my marriage to Matthew, um, that we were, we were just cer certainly not mature. We got married young. You know, like we just did not necessarily have all of the tools in our toolbox that we now have 20 plus years into marriage. And um, I, because I had guy friends, you know, I, there were seasons where I would lean on them a little bit more because Matthew was not as emotionally available as he now has the capacity to be. And while he is not naturally a jealous person, I remember a, a moment that he told me about that he was watching me or listening to me talk to one of my guy friends and he watched the way that I smiled and he didn't like the way that that looked. Because he knew that that smile was me getting something in that exchange that he hadn't seen. He couldn't recall me smiling like that 
in a little while where he was concerned. And it was something so subtle. But he said to me, I didn't like how that made me feel. And we talked about it, to your point, about being open and honest in dialogue. Because my thing is, I never want to make you feel insecure. That was, that's never my intention. But if a moment arises that just the feeling is just outside of our normal, that's something that should be addressed immediately so that it doesn't have a chance to grow like a cancer inside of the relationship. And I should be able to sit and hear your feelings about it because you're not accusing me of anything. You're merely saying, when I saw this look come across your face, I know what it made me feel because you looked like you were happy about this. You felt whatever mm-hmm. it is. You you looked like that. I'm not saying that that's what you're feeling, but that's what the look appeared to be to me. And I want to be the only person that creates that look for you. And we consciously worked on making sure that that is what we were consistently creating and not taking each other for granted in those little things that allow for you to feel invested in and engaged and not just desired, but I I use the word that people want to be craved inside of a marriage. And the difference between desire and craving is that if I want a donut, that's just my desire. So if I can't get the donut, I'll take a piece of cake because I really just want something sweet. But when you are craving a piece of cheesecake, nothing else will satisfy (laughs) you. You can eat the donut, you can eat the piece of chocolate cake, and you will still go eat the cheesecake because that's what you were craving. And inside of a relationship, if you really want to tamp down the possibility of jealousy, make sure that you create environments where people crave each other so that no one is looking for something else outside of what it is that you are giving to one another. You know, there's a a parallel uh, point to be made, I think, about conditionality. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people set a bar for uh, the other person in their relationship. If you really loved me, you You would would. fill in the blank. And that conditionality is, is a very destructive force. Oh, agreed. Because there's no end to it. Whatever the condition is today. It can change tomorrow. It will. It can and will change tomorrow. <laughs> right. The ante will be upped mm-hmm. because that's coming from from an individual whose whose neediness is not bounded. It's not rational. It's it's an emotional um, difficulty, mm. and it's unlikely that you'll ever be able to satisfy that. Mm. You might be able to in the short term but not in the long term. Can I jump in just if Please. you don't lose your thought? I There's a theory that I use that is very, that is based on that, and I call it the bucket theory, that when we choose partners, we need to choose people who don't have a gunshot hole at the bottom of their bucket. Try to find people who have a pin size hole, because the reality is we all in a relationship are going to need affirmation of various form, right? Mm -hmm. But the healthiest versions of ourselves are like a bucket. If you imagine a bucket with water in it, if we have a pin size hole, it will take a really long time before all of that substance ever falls out. 
so you can you can do a lot. There's a lot of capacity there. But if you're dealing with somebody who has a gunshot hole at the bottom of their bucket, no matter how much you pour in, you can't pour in fast enough to keep the water level high enough in that relationship with that person. And you end up destroying yourself trying to keep them full. So as I listened to you, I couldn't help but to think about mm-hmm. that, that it is that you have so much need that I can exhaust myself and I still won't be able to keep your water level where it needs to be. And I think that this speaks to uh, so many aspects of of subjects we've talked about on Love Life, Mm -hmm. Um, not least of which is uh, this notion of conditionality. You know, I've often said that if we could, if we could learn to love the way God loves us. Right. Without conditions. What a beautiful notion. Yeah. And, you know, we're human, so we're going to fall short of that. But if we could learn to love that way, then then indeed we'd, we'd never have any problem with uh, uh, the pinhole or even the gunshot hole because we'd be <laughs> replenishing that right. um, so fully all of the time. But because we're human, that is a challenge. Yes, it is. One we hope that you do not have. But we do hope that you will continue to listen to us as you have so faithfully. Mm -hmm. And join us again next week for another episode of Love Life. And uh, we want to thank you, our listeners. Absolutely. Barbara Hamley, our producer. Todd Washburn, our recording engineer. And uh, we look forward to being with you again next week. See you soon.